So I'm kind of a glorified matchmaker is mostly my company, but over the years, it's also turned into a job of, I'm kind of people's emotional support dog because turnkeys are very attractive to new investors. It's scary to buy your first investment. Once you've bought a turnkey once, it's very straightforward. But before that, how do you know what you don't know? And so I really kind of stay on just on the emotional support side because turnkeys really let a lot of people invest in real estate who may not have otherwise. Hi, you're listening to Ready to Scale, the second season of That Really Happened. This season is focused on APS of real estate, asset, process, and strategy. Each guest on the show will reveal the assets they invest in and why they chose to do so. From multifamily to industrial, self-storage, mobile home parks, and more. Then, they'll uncover the processes, tools, and systems they've used to build multi-million dollar businesses. And finally, they'll uncover new, unique, and exciting strategies to invest in real estate, from co-working to buy and hold, fix and flips, co-living, and much, much more. Now let's get the show started. Hey guys, welcome to Ready to Scale. I'm Ellie Perlman, your host broadcasting from sunny California. When I'm not behind the mic, I buy multifamily properties with passive investors who partner with me on my deals. So Ready to Scale is our new second season here. This is episode number four. And on this season, we're going to focus on the business side of real estate. So namely, there are three key concepts that I like to call APS of real estate, asset, process and strategy. So by listening, you will learn valuable business principles to help your real estate business, whatever it may be, thrive and diversify, whether you're a passive or active investor. So if you enjoyed the podcast, take a minute to rate us. You can find us on all social media platforms. You can read the show notes and read our links on my website, ellieperlman.com. Now, our guest today is Ali Boone. Um, and I'm really, really excited to have her here. She's a great gal and you'll see it uh, in a few minutes. So just a little bit of a background. Ali is the founder of Hipster Investments, the website for easy hands off. Anyone can do it, real estate investing. And she's also a lifestyle entrepreneur. She's a business consultant and a real estate investor. So Ali, she actually left her corporate nine to five job as a <laughs> an Eurospace engineer which is pretty impressive to follow her passion of being her own boss and creating the ultimate freedom for herself. And this is something that a lot of us are yes. interested in doing. So Ali went from being on food stamps in her first year of entrepreneurship to facilitating over 18 million in real estate transactions in her first five years of business. She also has a master's degree uh, in both um, aerospace engineering and spiritual psychology, which is very interesting. I want to hear more about that. And lastly, Ali teaches flying and can often be found snowboarding or volunteering in prisons. Wow, that's really, really interesting. I don't even know. I, I don't even know if I want to interview you about real estate. There's so many other interesting things going on in your life. So, Ali, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you here. And, you know, thank you for making the time to talk with me and with and, you know, share your knowledge with my uh, listeners. You bet. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So um, Ali is actually not so far away from me. She lives in Venice. And out of curiosity, where do you snowboard? Anywhere. <laughs> Anywhere. <laughs> Usually I warm up the season at Big Bear and I try and go to Mammoth a lot. I'm trying mm -hmm. to venture out to cooler places like I did Utah in March and 
Uh, I've been to the Swiss Alps. I've been to Colorado, Canada, but I'm actually not that good. So now that I'm actually figuring it out, I'm trying to take advantage of more mountains. So if anyone wants to go skiing or snowboard, I do both now too, because as soon as I figured out (laughs) snowboarding, I was like, well, obviously I need to learn to ski. So I've been doing more skiing even. So it's super fun. I think skiing is a little bit easier. So I'm a skier myself. I love Alta and Snowbird is right nearby. I don't think Snowbird allows for some reason, or is it the other way around? Well, anyways, because one of those two mountains don't allow um, actual snowboarders to get in. I don't remember if it's... It was Alta, no ski. It's Alta probably because Snowbird, it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, that's that's exciting. What do you do in prisons? Your bio basically mentions that you're you're volunteering there. What do you do there? I'm like, oh, how much time do you have? (laughs) You kind of have to be there. So the spiritual psychology school that I went to, this prison program actually stemmed out of that. So everything we learned in uh, spiritual psychology, we take into the prison and the very basics of it, you know, first we go in and we really just genuinely love them. And a lot of the people in prison have never had that their entire lives. So that makes a big difference. We really try and help them understand that, yes, you did this bad thing. It doesn't mean necessarily that you're a bad person and really try and separate the person from the crime and really try and help them just kind of work backwards and kind of release the issues that got them into that situation in the first place and the repercussions from that crime. And really, I mean, If I were to summarize it, I mean, I could go on for hours about what we do in the prison and stories I've heard and the just everything about it. It's really just trying to help them find some worth because they really, you know, they go to prison and people are like, oh, you're terrible. You know, society just kind of kicks you out and says you're a terrible person. And it, you know, and there are some people in prison that are probably never going to get out of prison and they need to stay in there. But there's a lot of people that just had some circumstances in life that led them to what they did. And, you know, it's, it's not a condoning of what they did. It's not anything. It's really, but just kind of a work backwards of like, let's get back to the person and figure out where the hurt spots were, how to release those and how to really just, we try and help them find freedom inside of prison, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Because if you think about it, a lot of us out here, we're imprisoned inside of ourselves also. So, you know, we're trying to help them. Yes, you have these outer walls, but how can you free yourself given your situation? And Mm -hmm. it's such a, oh, it's my favorite thing on the planet. It's just, you know, it's taught me a lot about, there's so much about this world that I don't know, like levels of trauma, things people go through. And it's really just opened me up as a person. And yeah, so I'll stop there because I really will. If you let me go, (laughs) it'll be hours. (laughs) If we had unlimited time, I'm actually really interested in, in hearing that. Maybe we can chat after the, the interview a bit more about it. Interesting. And if anyone is listening and interested, it is based off the work of Viktor Frankl. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning. So, and it's a real easy, small book. So if anyone wants to, it's just, it's amazing. It's all just kind of mindset, like what made him, what allowed him to survive the con- Nazi concentration camps and a lot of the other people didn't. So yeah, that'd be an awesome starting point because that's what all the work is based off of. I can tell that I really enjoyed reading the book. It's it's a really, really interesting a book. Really not, book. Not a traditional book whatsoever. <laughs> so Ali, you're basically in the business of single family homes and turnkey rentals. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we get into that, tell us, you know, in a few minutes, uh, an unbelievable story. And and I believe yours is pretty <laughs> is pretty unbelievable that was not even taking didn't even take place in the US. So tell us about the story about your first real estate investment. <laughs> 
so I was in corporate, I was an engineer and I was just trying to find any way out of that. Like the minute I ever walked into my cubicle, I was like, <laughs> I got to go. Like, this is not my thing. And so for quite a few years, I was researching, exploring and trying to figure out like, how could I leave a corporate job? I'm either gonna have to start a business. I'm going to do something in real estate. Like those were the buzzwords. And my first introduction into real estate investing if you can tell by my bio, I like doing things that kind of make people a little itchy. Like, wait, she's doing what? Like, that's my favorite thing ever. And it happened to be that this investing opportunity landed on my desk. And of course, I knew immediately that it was going to make people itchy. It was a pre-construction development in Nicaragua. And when I read it, I was like, Nicaragua. And I was like, wait, hang on. Are we, like Central America? Like third world country, Nicaragua? And it was like beachfront bungalows and this beachfront resort. I was like, well, obviously I have to pursue that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I want to go to a third world country and that sounds amazing. And I started into it really actually not thinking anything of it, but it really turned out to be a pretty legit thing. Uh, Wyndham Hotels was involved. Uh, Jack Nicholas golf course design was involved. Like this was a big thing happening in Nicaragua and Nicaragua at the time, it was really where Costa Rica was 20 years prior mm -hmm. where prices are so cheap the desirability is huge. Nicaragua is an amazing country. And so my very first two investments actually were into this development. And, and it, it wasn't just like me being dumb. Like there were a lot of big name investors going in on this. Like a lot of people had like a million dollars cash of their own pocket, you know, out of their own pockets into this. So it wasn't like some little peon kind of thing, but it ended up where it was kind of one of those famous stories of pre-construction developments of suddenly there's no money. And it's like, wait, where did the money go? And the developers are like, I don't know. And we're like, what do you mean? You don't know. And so the development ended up tanking. Wyndham pulled out, Nicholas pulled out to this day. We're all still out our money. And rumor is we're supposed to get paid back. We've got settlement agreements. There's people who have pursued the court cases, whatever. So that was, that was my introduction to real estate investing. I was like, yay, I love this industry. That's cool. Wow. So there was a fraud basically. <laughs> I got to go on a lot of trips to Nicaragua. I learned mm -hmm. so much. And honestly, that investment though, and I really tell, I try and tell people about that because people see, you know, I lost a good, a fair chunk of money for a new investor. And, but that money, when I look and see what that investment, so to speak, got me, it's why I started my company. It's why I left corporate. It's why I know the people that I do. It's why I've had, honestly, the success that I've had. So when I kind of do the math on that, it's like, was that actually a loss? Because I feel like people in real estate are so terrified of failure or of losing money. Right. It's so much in your, your mindset. Like, you know, so it's, you know, I really look back. It's such a great experience in that sense. It was very frustrating and very discouraging thinking, what in the world am I doing in this real estate industry? This is terrible. I'm just throwing money down the drain. But you know, it, it worked out. So, and I still got a great story to make people itchy with. Yeah. Well, I think it's an amazing story because most people don't just invest in real estate in a failing investment and then quit their jobs and <laughs> making that their full-time, you know, job. You know, now that you say that time, I'm like, oh yeah, I did quit my job right after that. <laughs> Well, you definitely do things differently. <laughs> the timing actually worked where as that development was kind of pausing at the time before it had really sunk. And that's where I made the connections that actually started me into turnkeys. And so while that was going on, I started investing in turnkey rental properties. And it was kind of just like, it was there, it was available. And I was like, oh, well, this makes a lot of sense. And this was 2011. So the returns were 
huge and the prices were so cheap. And so I was like, well, I want to get in on that. And that's what jump started that career. So as Nicaragua kind of petered mm-hmm. out, my turnkey stuff was going and I really started investing in turnkeys just as my own personal investments. It wasn't intended to get me out of corporate. It was just like, well, while I have a paycheck, mm-hmm. I might as well do something smart with it. But then one thing led to another. And I guess let's see, seven, seven years later now, I have a turnkey business and I left corporate. That's amazing. So, and I think it's a good, you know, segue into the first part of APS of talking about the asset. So you're investing in turnkey rentals. Did you also stumble upon this opportunity with all the other, you know, opportunities that you were looking into? Or were you specifically looking to invest in turnkey rentals at that time? I actually had never heard of turnkey rentals. So right before the Nicaragua stint, or maybe even during the Nicaragua stint, I had, I just, you know, I grew up with the mindset of you own a rental property, it's smart. Like it's just, if you own a property of any kind. So I was pursuing, looking into real estate and I actually went around with an agent in Orange County, California. I was like, well, let's look at some properties. Like, and you know, we're looking at these properties and they're just falling apart. There was like a, there was dead rat, you know, these things are nasty. And I was looking at the purchase price and I was like, well, how much could one of these rent for assuming I fix it up? And he was like, well, probably this. And I was thinking at the time, you know, here I am an engineer. I love math, but I didn't know how to run the numbers on a rental property. And all I could really kind of figure out is I was like something about, I don't, I don't quite, I can't quite put my finger on why this would be a good deal, but I didn't know how to justify it one way or another. But it really, you know, and then the thought, I don't, I'm not interested in working on properties. I'm not a hammer swinger. I'm actually pretty bad at it. I'm not handy. I'm not like, so a lot of what kept me out of real estate for a long time was this idea of negotiating deals, finding deals, rehabbing. None of those sound appealing to me at all. Like I just, it's not my thing. And so as I met these guys in Nicaragua and they had also started exploring turnkeys, they started telling me about them. I was like, turnkeys, what's that? And so here it is, basically someone hands you this rental property on a platter. They've already done the negotiating. They've already done the rehabbing. They've already put the tenants in and you don't even have to manage the tenants. And I was like, ooh, tell me more. (laughs) I was like, no, this sounds more like what I'm interested in. So that's when I actually got introduced to the idea And that was what allowed me to buy my, I bought my first turnkey and then I bought quite a few after that because it just, it was a concept I hadn't heard about. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it presented itself, I was like, there's a solution to my problem. Cause I don't, I don't want to spend time flipping. It's great if you have the skills and time to do it, but I don't, or I have the time, but I don't have the skills or the interest. And it just, it messes with my sanity. So I just didn't want it. So it was actually really awesome that they, that this, concept was presented to me because I didn't know anything about it. I had never even run across the term before. That's, um, that's really interesting. And so you're kind of focused on turnkey rentals. And you mentioned that that works for you well, because you don't want to deal with fixing properties or doing anything like that. You want a cleaner deal. And now what you do is you're basically working with other buyers and you find those turnkey opportunities and then you sell them to other investors, basically. Yeah, I'm actually more of a matchmaker. Like they end up Mm. buying it directly from, so the turnkeys come from turnkey providers, which are the, because turnkey is actually the name of a condition of a property. So if you buy any rental property that's in turnkey condition, it means it's already rehabbed, tenants already in, basically you're making money on day Mm -hmm. one. 
But these companies go out and buy distressed properties in bulk, they rehab in bulk, they, they do it. So the properties I work with come from these companies. So what happened was I started buying turnkeys just for myself. I wasn't thinking anything about it. And I was so ecstatic about them. I was telling anyone who would listen to me about them. And so people are like, okay, wait, what are you buying? Because they hadn't heard about it either. And so suddenly with me just rambling on to anyone who would listen, people are like, well, what are you buying? Who are you buying from? And so I would tell them, I'm like, Hey, here's this thing. And so they would go and quite a few, my cousin ended up buying one, my mom's friend ended up buying one. And so finally this company came to me and said, listen, if you'll get your real estate license, we can pay you referral fees because you're sending us so many people anyways. And so I was like, okay, that seems like easy side money. And it ended up where it caught on so much that that's now really my, my main gig is because with the turnkeys, like if you're looking for turnkeys, it's hard to know what companies to trust because there's, there's a lot of turnkey companies and a lot of them have worked with different models. And how do you know if they're actually rehabbing the property right. well? And how do you know all these things? So that's kind of the end I work on is I refer, you know, I connect people with the people that I've worked with and that I trust and that I know and so that's really how it started is people were asking me, well, who are you working with? Who, you know, who do you think are the good guys? And so I'm kind of a glorified matchmaker is mo mostly my company. But over the years, it's also turned into a job of I'm kind of people's emotional support dog because uh, turnkeys are very attractive to new investors. It's scary to buy your first investment. Once you've bought a turnkey once, it's very straightforward. But before that, how do you know what you don't know? And so I really kind of stay on just on the emotional support side because turnkeys really let a lot of people invest in real estate who may not have otherwise. I may not have even, because I didn't want to swing a hammer, but turnkeys are very inviting for someone who may not otherwise have invested in real estate, at which point, you know, they, they want a little bit of help and it's a little bit of a scary thing and all that. So I like to say I'm now professionally an emotional support dog. Which works um, well with your education, I would say, with this, yeah. this spiritual psychology. So let's talk a little bit about a process and you touched on it when you said that you're you know, working with uh, turnkey providers. What's your process on, on the one hand, finding, uh, you know, those turnkey providers and also finding buyers and how do you make that perfect match? Because different buyers have different needs, they have different desires and yeah. different investment criteria. So how do you find it? Cause it, it's a whole network as it's a two-sided network. So what was your process in building this network? It's actually, I love how you phrase that question because when you're talking about the turnkeys, there are the turnkey providers who are the ones who physically own the house that you buy it from. And then there's other companies that people call, some people call them turnkey promoters or turnkey marketers. I'm kind of more on that side. But the advantage of working with one of those companies versus going straight to the provider, because some people are like, well, why would I work through you or another turnkey marketer? and not just go to the provider. And exactly to the point that you just said is that the turnkey provider only sells properties probably in one city. So if you go to them as an investor and say, hey, you know, what's the best move for me? They're gonna be like, well, to buy my house. <laughs> you know, like that they sell these properties there. Whereas when you work with the turnkey marketers, I work with turnkey providers in several different markets. And you're exactly right that not everybody's a fit for every situation. There's different budget ranges, there's different property types, there's different risk levels, there's whatever. And so me working in several markets, I can say, okay, let's sit down and figure out your situation and where might you be the best fit. Whereas if you go to the turnkey provider, 
they don't really have that option because they only sell properties on one market. So they're going to tell you that's the best place to buy, obviously. So I love that you make that the distinguishment because it is true that not everything, and I tell people all the time, if you're going to lose sleep over an investment, I don't care what the returns are. It's not worth it. And so like, you know, if you as a new investor are trying to go to a turnkey provider, you don't know what you're supposed to be asking them. You don't know if it's the best thing for you. You don't know if it's fitting for your situation. You know, that's where somebody like in my role comes in and all, most of the turnkey marketers don't even charge. They get paid on the seller side. So it's a free service. Yeah. So it's, I, I love that you clarified that it's, it's just, and same with investment strategies. Flipping's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. Rental properties aren't for everybody. You know, my niche apparently is rental properties. I didn't pick that. It just kind of is, you know, and so people taking the time to really figure out what's best for you and maybe, and I'll be the first person to tell you a turnkey isn't for you, you know, and just really taking that time to educate yourself enough to know what might be you, what might not be you, what's fitting to your goals, what's not, because it's, it's important and it'll make the difference in your investing career. And so how do you find those? What's your process in, in finding those turnkey providers? Yeah. So I actually, I have a, a pretty, I don't want to call it a strict policy. I have a pretty predominant policy in my life is if someone is smarter than I am in a particular area, I work with that person. Oh, I love, I love this rule. I love this rule. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. (laughs) In the wrong room and I'm not going far. You know, I've got my strengths. I have the certain things that I'm really good at. And then there's, it's, Sometimes it's whether or not I'm good at something, but it's also, that can also correlate with what I am interested in. And I'll tell you one thing I am not interested in whatsoever is analyzing a market. I don't care. I just, I I want the property. And so I actually work with a team of guys who are market experts Mm -hmm. and they're also experts at vetting turnkey providers. So what I do is I meet with them and we kind of sit down. I'm like, Hey, what'd you guys find? You know, they'll say, here's this market, here's this provider. Because the other thing with turnkey providers is you could have a phenomenal market for investing, but if there's not a good turnkey provider there, it's not very helpful. Or I also know some really phenomenal turnkey providers, but they're in markets that I don't really, I don't really dig the market fundamentals of them. So I kind of sit down with these guys and they're the ones that are smarter than I am in the room. And we kind of figure it out. And then I work with people, you know, through my interactions, I get to, I talk directly to these providers and I know the experiences going on and all that. So yeah, I work with people smarter than I am on that end to find the turnkey providers. And then as far as the turnkey buyers, I was a writer for a long time for Bigger Pockets. It's a website. Um, I'm also now a writer for Million Acres, which is Motley Fool's new real estate platform. And so people actually have always just kind of come to me because I'll, I'll try and educate people as much as possible on turnkeys. And that's kind of how I find my folks because everyone's wondering, you know, everyone wants to know who are the providers I can trust. And because it's a hard question to answer. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a very very key, you know, question and we're we all do business with people like and trust and um understanding who you want to work with is number 1 before you're even looking at their credentials and their experience, which you must, you know, but after, you know, but you have to learn how to vet people that you work with. Absolutely. So let's move to the last part of our interview today and talk about the strategy. So when it comes to investors who you know, reach out to you and, and want to purchase a uh, rental property. What would you say is the predominant strategy? Is Are these investors 
interested in buying and holding the properties or are they, you see a lot of them, you know, flipping them after a few years, even though they're turnkey. So they're probably not, it's not a value add deal. They're probably not putting, um, you know, renovating the, the units. What is the kind of the strategy that you see across the board with the, the, pie, the buyers that you work with? I would say the biggest strategy is really just a buy and hold for the long term. Mm -hmm. It also kind of depends on when in the market you buy. For example, I started buying turnkeys in Atlanta in 2011, 2012. And in 2011, Atlanta was on the cusp of a huge boom. So in the span of five years, maybe all of my properties had doubled and tripled in value. So it was kind of like this almost like sneak attack of value add because with a turnkey, you really can't add value because you're already paying market value for it and it's already completely improved and renovated. But because of the market timing, and that's why I started buying in Atlanta at that time because I knew that was about to happen. And so I got very fortunate and I got all of the value add. But even those properties, I got I, I go back and forth because I've got all this equity in it now, but it's like, I also have these really cheap properties. They were great properties, but at the time they were so cheap. It's like, I kind of almost might as well hang on to them. And so I've kind of gone back and forth, but most turnkey provider, um, turnkey buyers nowadays, you really are kind of paying market value and there's not any markets that are scheduled to boom like that because prices are just high across the board. So ultimately you're ending up really with a cash flow play. And it's not to say you won't get appreciation or equity later on, but because it's a cash flow play, cash flow is really kind of a long term hold. And some turnkey, so some people kind of just assume they'll hang on to it forever. Uh, some people just kind of hang on to them until for some reason, the time might be right to sell it for any number of reasons. But a lot of turnkey buyers also have it in their heads that because when they buy the turnkey, everything's been rehabbed. There's no major appliances that are scheduled to go out. The roof is not scheduled to be have to have to be replaced. You know, nothing's really scheduled, but that's not going to last forever. So let's say you buy a turnkey, everything's new in what? seven years or something, you might start getting a lot of CapEx coming on, like the big appliances may start going out, right. you know, and so some people, some turnkey buyers have the strategy of planning to sell at some number of years right before all of that starts, because you are going to end up with those expenses. But do you buy the property, hang on to it, collect the cash flow, and then get out of it right before all of that happens, you know, and so that's something that are in a lot of people's heads. But I think too with turnkeys, it's almost a little bit of an unknown right now because turnkeys have been around forever, but they really got popular during the 2008 crash because that's when so much inventory was on sale. You could just buy a million of them. So when turnkeys really got popular was 10 years ago and that's it. And so some turnkey, you know, it's still, I think a lot of turnkey buyers are still, they don't know. It, it hasn't been that long since they bought them. So, but that's definitely one of the strategic things is get out before the CapEx starts. Yeah. And CapEx, um, for those, uh, the listeners who are unfamiliar with that term, it's capital expenditure. It's basically one-time expenses, not related to the ongoing operations, the operations of the property, but anything like roofs and, you know, water heater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Water yeah. heater, all those lovely things that you never want to spend money for, yep. you know, to, to replace, but you have to budget for it. And that's one of the golden nuggets that I got from, you know, the, the past two minutes is that you, even if it's a turnkey property and that's your main strategy is to buy and hold and not fix it, you have to be able 
to put some money aside or, or budget for those unexpected capex capital expenditures because they will happen maybe not now because the property is a turnkey everything is is fine but down a road and there's also surprises so it doesn't mean that for an entire year nothing's going to happen we yeah. hope so but always make sure that you budget for yeah. that Thank you so much, Ali, for your time. I really, really appreciate it. If our listeners would like to reach out to you, where can they find you? So I actually set up a link just for you guys. It's, so my company's name is Hipster Investments and our website is hipsterinvestments.com. But if you go to hipsterinvestments.com slash Ellie, E-L-L-I-E, I've set it up. I We have a turnkey rental properties ebook that normally we sell and I've set it up on there that you guys can get it for free. So that site is specific just for you guys. And on that uh, link, you can get the free ebook, but you, my email address is on there, social media uh, icons. So you can connect with me in any, any one of those ways. I think it's either on that site or the thank you page once you get the ebook, but go get the ebook and feel free to reach out anytime. I really, I actually, I, I feel like people say this, but I really do want to hear from people. Like I love talking to people. It's my main job. I'm so passionate about turnkeys because of the freedom they allow. I'm happy to help you with it. So get the ebook, reach out, and don't be shy about it. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You bet. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.